Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 to 37. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length, or weight, or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. Exodus chapter 22, verses 21 to 24. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Last passage, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 to 19. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves a sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. I was thinking about this uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and it seems rather incongruous that we're talking about biblical justice. And, you know, if you, those of you who've been with us in the series, you know, it's, it's a heavy and hard subject matter. And... Um, and we have been working through the three key kinds of people that God wants us to focus on. You know, the fatherless and the widow and how the Bible translates it as the sojourner, which I think is more like the, the minority, um, the ethnic outsider. And um, today we're going to start talking about that third group of people, the sojourners slash minority. And I've entitled this message, Love the Minority. That's, uh, you know, it's not really complicated. Love the minority is a direct command from God. <laughs> Love the sojourner. Today, you know, just update that. Love the minority. Direct command. That's absolutely part and parcel of justice. And it's a, it's a big topic. And it's <laughs> a bit of a tough pill to, to start it on Super Bowl Sunday. But um, let's, let's look at it. And... Um, you know, this is kind of a first message, and uh, we, we won't get as heavy today. And you'll start to see how this will take us back to some of the early stuff that we learned as we got into this subject matter, okay? And so let's get into it now. And today, you know, then we'll, we'll joyfully go to the table of the Lord, and then, and then go home and eat, eat a lot of good food and enjoy the game, okay? Uh, it'll be, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful day, and it'll be, continue to be a, a great day. Let's get into it. Um, part one... Part one, from God, justice is love, okay? From God, justice is love, not politics, not a cause. Fundamentally, absolutely, you know, apart from, you can't do real justice unless you do love. Doing justice is to love, 
Okay, that's part one. Part two, who is the sojourner, according to the Bible? Who is the sojourner? And here I'm I want to talk about culture versus race. This is an important point I want to put. In the Bible, it's never about race, okay? At least not race in the way we think of race. In modern 21st century America, it's always about culture, actually, not race, okay? And part three, uh, I want to close by talking about the gospel this way. Inclusion by the excluded God who chose the excluded for his own, right? That's, you ever think about the gospel that way? That the gospel is about inclusion and exclusion. And that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking about love, which means to include. That's what we're talking about. The sojourner, the minority, is the person that regularly feels excluded. In fact, they don't just feel excluded. They are excluded, right? They are excluded in every culture, every place. There's ways that things are done. And then guess what? They always do it for themselves. And the one who's not part of the us, the we, that's the sojourner. They're excluded. The Bible's command is include them which is another way of saying love them, okay? So let's get into it. Part one. And so um, I want to, you know, return into, in one of the early portions of my message, you know, I, I, I first said that justice is an eternal attribute of God. So that justice is something that's never been, that's never not been around. Even before there was ever one molecule of creation that was part of justice because it's part of God's very character. It's part of his being. And then I also taught you that in the Bible, there's two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It goes along with what our brother talked about today, that who, who should be on the, the throne of our hearts? God should be on the throne of our hearts. And he prayed that we, um, we regularly sin by allowing some other thing to consume us and being on the throne of our hearts. That's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let him be on the throne of your heart. Exalt him and love him. But then there's this kind of like command one, you know, commandment. If that's the great command, there's a commandment 1A. It's really not even a second commandment. It's a, it's a commandment that just flows right out of the first commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And justice is really an application. It's a fundamental application of that. Justice is really a subset of love. I, that's, that's a point I made early, early in this series. And I want you to see it right again here in the Bible. So let's go to our text. Let's go to the first text um, that I offered. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33. Here's how it, it, uh, the word says... Um, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you know, like older translations, maybe an alien, um, you know, someone who's an outsider. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, let's put it this way. When someone who's not part of your tribe immigrates into your country, how about that? Or how about a stranger who is um, a refugee comes into your country? Or how about if someone was kidnapped from a farmer off country is made to be a slave in your country? Those are all things true of the history of our country, right? And so 
You read this strange vocabulary. What a stranger sojourns with you in your land. I hope you don't think it's something weird. It's not weird at all. It's completely relevant. It's going on all the time. America is a land filled with immigrants. It's always got outsiders coming in. And of course, we have slavery history where we kidnapped people and then brought them in. Um, and then, so we got that going on. And so, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, oh man, every American should sit up and, and perk up. Okay? Because you shall not do him wrong. <laughs> when a sojourner comes, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. Verse 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. I want you to hear that. Treat him as the native among you. Um, let's just stop for a moment here. It didn't use the word inclusion. Let, let's just say a little bit. Include him just like you would include one of your own. <laughs> think about him the way you would think about your own. Care for him. Have compassion for him. Care about his wounds and his hurts, his vulnerabilities. Especially her hurts, her her vulnerabilities if she's a widow. As if they were your own. Inclusion. So I didn't use, it didn't exactly use the word inclusion. But that's what it says. (laughs) That's exactly what it says. And let me just say a little something else. Every society, every culture does not do this. They do, they do not do this. Every culture, every society builds their culture for themselves and not for the stranger. You're not one of us. Every culture, tribalism is completely normal. And in the Bible, it says, I don't care if it's normal. God says, it doesn't, it's just like normal to God is sinful. How about that? The normal ways that every culture operates from God's point of view is he wants to build a nation that's utterly abnormal to the world. The Bible calls that justice. Hearing that? Hearing what I'm saying? Every culture, completely normal, excludes. In the Bible, the command is include. Include. So let's let's continue. Verse 34, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. Treat him like a native. And then listen to the next part. And you shall love him as yourself. Doesn't that sound a lot like, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Of course it sounds like that, because it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Who is your neighbor? Who is the sojourner? The sojourner is your neighbor. How are you supposed to treat your neighbor? Love him like you love yourself. Which is always to be included, of course. And that's what the Bible's saying. And then it goes on to add this other part. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. Every time the Bible says that part, I am Yahweh your God. You know, that's a way of saying You know who's saying this? God. (laughs) Your Lord is saying this. This isn't just, you know, know, blah, blah, blah. You lose it in some kind of footnote. It isn't that junky stuff that, you know, you you, you download an app 
And then there's all this bunch of blah, blah, blah words, and you're supposed to click, you know, I agree. You know, you, know, you, you probably do what I do. You scroll up, and then you go click, and you agree, and you're hoping, like, I hope I didn't agree to give away my mom. <laughs> right? It's not like that. When, when the Bible says this, God is saying, pay attention, I'm saying this. And he's saying, you know who you were? You were excluded in Egypt. I chose an excluded people. You are my people. You know who I chose? Strangers. In the world, the world operates like this. And so in the, in the Bible, Egypt is not just in the history. You know, you, you, you watch the movie. You know, you watch Charlton. Okay, you know, some of you, you were kids. You never watched the Charlton Hesson version. You watched the cartoon version. And uh, it doesn't really matter. And you tend to think of Egypt as like this historical thing, great story from history. But oftentimes in the Bible, you know what Egypt represents? It represents the world. Egypt is a nation that represents the world. It represents the powerful of the world. So you get to uh, Rome. Rome is Egypt. You get to Babylon. Babylon is Egypt. Actually, before there's Egypt, the Bible represents, you know, Babel. And then it becomes Babylon. And then it's Egypt. All of those are the same. Regardless, God chose the excluded in Egypt. And to this day, isn't that still the same? All the Christians, we are the excluded. We believe that our God has built a people whose culture and his, and his peoplehood, his family, is actually not part of this, this country, this land. So, you know, if you are a Christian... Let's say you're an American and you're a Christian. You have dual citizenship. You're an American and you're also a Christian. But regularly, now in America, they don't like us. And you know what? It's completely normal. America is a country that has a history of revering the Bible. And Christians became dominant in the culture. And the morality was was very much in line with the Bible, even if people did, didn't, didn't become Bible, you know, like, a, you know, Jesus-believing Christians. So there are lots of people who barely went to church or didn't go to church. They would say they believe in God, and they agreed with a kind of biblical morality. But I don't, I don't know if you understand this. That's very weird. <laughs> the vast majority of countries in the world did not believe in a biblical morality. They, wouldn't, they, they, they don't know this word. They don't care about this word. What's completely normal is that Egypt says, that other citizenship that you have over there, that thing about God, Jesus, all that other thing, yeah, we don't like that part. And, and uh, the more you want to talk about that Jesus, God, Bible stuff, um, we, 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 we may have to, um, you know, take away your house, fire you from your job, all your leaders, we'll throw them into jail. And if you keep on doing it, we'll kill some of you to make an example out of you. Because why don't you shut up with that stuff? That's normal. And that's not just kind of like in America where you show up and if everybody's white, but you're not white and you feel kind of outside of it, that, it's not that kind of exclusion. It's the, it's the most terrible kind of exclusion. And so when the Bible says you were excluded in the land of Egypt. You were strangers in the land of Egypt. It's that. 
It's you build the pyramid, and if a bunch of you die, that, that's, why we, that's what you're in there for. We, we can't let the Egyptians die. You die. So that, you know, our culture can be built. That's all normal. And God chose that kind of people. Now, let me add something else. Um, oh, actually, let me, let me see if I get this. Uh, you should include them. You should love them. Let me make a, one more point about this before I, I, I um, you know, love, and you've heard me say this, and for those of you who heard me say this many times, you know, just forgive me, but I, I just got to em em emphasize this because our culture defines love nothing like this. <laughs> In our culture, you hear a thousand times, all the time, in the songs, in the movies, in your TV shows, love is something sentimental. It's always a feeling. I have these feelings for you. I love you. And then I have good intentions for you. I love you. In the Bible, the Bible actually doesn't care about the feelings part. And the Bible sure as heck doesn't care about just, just you have good, I mean, it's there, but it's, it's super low. You know what the Bible says? It's like, well, who cares if you have the feelings? Treat them a certain way. If you have good intentions, but your actions don't follow through to treat them a certain way, to include them, that's not love. In the Bible, that's not love at all. If you say you have good feelings and you have good intentions, but our actions don't include, I don't think God wouldn't call that love. God certainly wouldn't call it justice. God would say that's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And our culture regularly thinks love is this really shallow, low-grade thing that's easy to do because, you know, if you have the right feelings and intentions, you love. Heck no. That is not the Bible's understanding. God's understanding is not fundamentally about love and feelings. It's about something more and deeper. Okay? So I want to I offer you uh, three things. So, and we already talked about one. Treat them like the name. There's three things I really want you to pay attention to for what this looks like for the, the outsider, for the minority, what the Bible calls the sojourner. And I already said the first one, treat them like a native, like they're one of us. Include them. Give them all the same blessings and benefits that we give our own tribe, our own people. And, um, you know, obviously, um, that this is a really big pain point in America. And the big pain point in America is, is especially those who are black, they did not get this from those who are white. The history of America is really odd. First, all the Protestants showed up. And then a bunch of other white people showed up. But they weren't Protestant. They were, they were, they were Catholic. <laughs> they were Italian Catholics. So, but they're still white. So all the Protestants, Americans from like England and Scotland and these other places... You know what they did? They did not do this for the Italians. They did not do this for the Polish because the Polish tend to be Catholic. And so in America today, we tend to be very fixated on the black-white. But first, the white Protestants really did not do this for the white Catholics. And then over time, then they relaxed, then they married each other, and then they just became white. 
But they still didn't do this for the folks who were black. See? This is our history. And unfortunately, it's completely normal. Um, we go around sometimes in America thinking that, you know, everybody should just get this and we could just do this. But nobody knows how to do this. Nobody knows how to do this. If, uh, if you grew up in America and you accept the discourse in America that everybody should know how to do this, I just want to just challenge you, especially if you're young, just go outside the country for a little bit, okay? Go visit some other country. Go to China and you'll find out Chinese don't know how to do this. Go to Korea, you'll find out they don't know how to do this. I mean, just, just name the country. Just accept whatever their primary tribe is. And then just watch, do they love the sojourner? They do not. <laughs> so America in this way, we are not an exception. We are the norm. Okay, I've got to stop talking about that. Okay, so that's the first one, all right? Let me give you, offer you a second one. And this is also in Exodus, verse 35. Uh, Exod, I mean, Leviticus, Leviticus, not Exodus, sorry. Leviticus, I don't want to confuse our... Projection, folks. Leviticus, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 35. It goes on to say this. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hin. Don't worry if you don't know exactly what a just... It's, there's a weights. Those are like, you know, a, 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 the correct pound, the correct amounts. Uh, and here we go. I am Yahweh your God. Remember what I just told you before? I am Yahweh your God. He says it again. You better have the right, the, the right weights. I am Yahweh your God. And then who brought you out of, you know, the oppressive land, Egypt. We don't do Egypt here. I am your God. I am Yahweh. We don't do it. So here's a second way, which is um, fair scales no bribes, no unfair treatment. So the people who are, you know, in this, you know, of the way we would do it here, you can't, you can't treat them in some second-class way if they're not among us. And again, all throughout our history in America, it's, there's just example after example after example. The black man, if he gets to vote, okay, finally, they're like, okay, we don't want black people to vote. And then, but then in the South, there is, well, we actually kind of have a lot of black people down here, so we, it would be nice if they can get the vote, but we don't want to give them the equal vote. So then they came up with this absolutely, egregiously, horrifically gross law that get two-thirds of a vote. It's really awful, right? And then there's other things. This, this one's going on today. We have this thing called the minimum wage, you cannot pay someone less than this. You cannot pay someone less than this amount. I, I want you to just think about this. Every time you go to a restaurant, um, I, I, I went out to um, lunch with a brother many years ago who knows the Lord. It was a Mexican restaurant. And it was good food. And uh, this brother is an attorney and he often does immigration law. And... Uh, and he kind of like, you know, he kind of chuckled and said, this person is probably serving us and is probably illegal. 
And um, I said, you think? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, come on. <laughs> he kind of laughed. He said, come on. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Texas or so far away. Right here. This was a, this was, you know, a restaurant right here in Santa Clara, really close to here. And, and why would you want to hire illegals? Because you don't pay them the same right amount <laughs> that the law says, this is the amount. Don't go below that. Leviticus chapter 19. And if you do, God was not, is not going to be happy. And you know, some people think this is a right-wing thing or a left-wing thing. It's really interesting. On this issue, it's like both the Democrats and the Republicans, they just completely look the other way. They know this is the way it works. They know this is the way it works. This is how it works. So that's the first, include and love them like a na native. Second, fair scales, fair weights. No bribery. Don't sell them short, okay? And then the third one, this is really profound. Um, oh, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm not, let's go to, um, I'll just, I'll read this just for the sake of time. Let's go to Exodus 22, 21 to 24. You've heard this before if you're in this series. So verse, chapter 22, verse 21. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. Can you just hear that again? It just says that again and again and again. You shall not mistreat any widow or father's child, and if you do, then I'll hear their cry, and then I'll, basically I'll kill you. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't have this read. In the very next chapter, this is Exodus chapter 23. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Exodus chapter 23. All right. You shall not pervert justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge. Do not kill the innocent and righteous. You shall take no bribe. That's all part like that second part I told you. Fair weights. But then listen to this part. This is chapter 23 of Exodus verse 9. You shall not oppress a sojourner, the minority. You shall know the heart of the minority for you are minority in the land of Egypt. That's the third thing I want you to know. You should know their heart. You should relate to their heart. You should love them in their heart. That's what he's saying. That's what the Bible's saying. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, listen to this. For Yahweh your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. See that? That's... That was the second point I gave you. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. He loves him. God loves him in the economics. God loves him in the law. You know what God is telling us to do? Love him in his heart. This is what I, I, I think this is trying to understand. Um, I want to say it this way. If you are a Christian, it's completely normal in the world that you get excluded and get the raw deal. In America, we're used to not getting quite the raw deal just because you're Christian, but we're going to get it. It's going to happen now. 
Okay? It's already happening. And all our brothers around the world, if you're in Nigeria, you know it's like this. If you're in Turkey, you know it's like this. You know? If you're in China, it's totally like this. Well, now in America, it's going to get like this. And we're going to feel what it's like to be a despised minority, the sojourner. And you know what God is saying? Because you have the dual citizenship, if Egypt, America, America's Egypt, okay? And God's city, God's country, the kingdom of God. Because you have that dual citizenship, you'll be a despised minority. And when you see the minority in your midst, know their heart. Know their heart. And love them. This is from the Lord. Now, I hope you can see this isn't Susan's political biases. I'm not giving you like my political philosophy here. I'm not some kind of political lecture here. I'm giving you the Bible. These are God's words. I'm Yahweh, your God. Hear it. Brothers and sisters, we must all hear this. Let's go to part two, and I'll, I'll take just a brief period of time, and, you know, we need to, you know, I want to get to the table of the Lord, so I won't take too long in this. I just want to say this. Who is the sojourner? And um, it's a little something about this. I already kind of gave you a little bit of an example. Our country is deeply fixated on race. Deeply fixated on race. I, I want to say the Bible Never talks about race. At least not race the way... We, sometimes when the Bible says the race, they always mean some people, a people group. Um, you know, the Samaritan race or something like that. But it's not race the way we think of it. In the modern 21st century th- way we think of about race, and America's deeply fixated on race. We're talking about skin color. You know, does he have frizzy hair? Or does they have like, you know, blonde hair? Or do they have like straight black hair? That's what we're talking about. Do they got big round eyes or they have slanted eyes? I mean, what are we talking about? We're ta- that's what we're talking about. In America, we often just, just immediately think at race. The Bible never talks about race. But the Bible is very interested in people groups. So all these commands to Israel about the sojourner, the minority, is always about people like the Moabite, the Edomite. The Egyptian, you know, the Syrian, the Samaritan. Let's let that pass, right? I mean, Jesus has a whole story where you know, there's an there's a Israelite who is robbed, beaten, left dying on the road, and the Samaritan treats him as a neighbor. That, and then, you know, so who's my neighbor? And Jesus uses that story. So, it's not about race. And I want to just point this out. Edomites, Moabites, Jebusites, Samaritans, Egyptians. If you put them all in the room together, a lot of them, you can't tell apart. If you put an Edomite and a Moabite, an Egyptian and an Israelite, and you put them all in the same room together, and you put on 21st century American clothes, you, I, I, I dare you to say you think that guy's an Edomite. <laughs> that guy's a Moabite. But this person is from Judah. This person's Israelite. You wouldn't know. 
So today, we look at people's skin colors, their physical features, and we think we can figure out justice. But the Bible doesn't talk like that. And let me point something else out too. Most people don't self-identify and think of themselves primarily in terms of race. It's a kind of American feature. But the two primary like racial groups in America, those who are white and those who are black, they actually tend to think of themselves. Of course, white folks don't go, I'm white. They just go, I'm American. But then it's defined kind of what is comfortable to them generally. And then, of course, black people don't immediately think of themselves as black. They're like American, but they often regularly feel they're excluded because they're black. You know, we have to love them in their hearts. Love them in their hearts. But that's not generally how most people think. In, in our city, it's really easy to tell who's Indian. You look at their you know, skin color and their face, they're Indian. <laughs> but do you know, most of them, I don't think, think of themselves primarily as Indian. When they meet each other, they don't think of themselves as Indian. You know what they think of themselves as? They think of themselves as Tamil. Or they think of themselves as, a, as Punjabi. Or that they, they see themselves as from Andhra. Because they speak different languages. You know they speak different language? They eat different food. Some of them don't even like each other. So from the outside, we're looking at them. We see their skin color, their race. And we mainly think we know who they are. But we don't. <laughs> and I, you know, when I was in college, you know, I, 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 my freshman year of college, they... The, the, you know, the white folks around the university, I think they thought they were being all sensitive to minorities. But then what they do is, you know, because I'm Asian, they, they, they took, sent my name to all the Asian groups, and then I got invited to Asian American Student Association. You know, my roommate, who was white and from Texas, he didn't get invited to Asian American Student Association, but if you ask me, He's the one who should have gone to the Asian American Student Association dinner because he would have like, probably liked it. It's kind of like Asian girls too, so he would have really liked it, okay? But like, so I went to the Asian American Student Association dinner and then this Indian girl got up and she did this Hindu dance and I sat there and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. And I sat there and I was like, oh, I'm Asian. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I'm from the largest landmass on the planet, and I've got slanted eyes and dark hair. That, is that what it means? <laughs> I'm like, this is really, really stupid. <laughs> In Asia, if you put a Korean in the same room with a Japanese guy, you know, the white guy can't tell the difference. <laughs> If they don't talk and you don't know what their name is, you can't tell which one is Japanese and which one's Korean. But if you put your average Korean with Japanese, because it's, it's a painful history, I wouldn't predict they'd become friends. So this is a, a tough thing to say. So if you're watching this message and you have your standard American grid about who is the minority, you probably use a racial grid. But I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be cruel about this, but 
that day when I was sitting in Asian American Student Association, all the liberal white people who run my university, you know what I thought of them? They're racist. That's what I thought. <laughs> These guys are racist. This is really stupid. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I certainly don't agree with that Hindu dance. And if that Hindu dance was done in front of my dad, my dad wouldn't be going, oh, I'm an Asian. I feel so you know, included with that. That's not how my dad would react. As a Christian, he'd be like, what is that? That's not my God. That's real. What's real is you have to know how do people self-identify? And how do they self-identify? They self-identify in their people groups. They're Edomites. They're Moabites. They're Tamil. They're Vietnamese. They're not Asians. They're not even just white because they're Italians. See, that's how it really is. And if we're going to love them from the heart, the heart, because that's the command, you should look for their culture. <laughs> I know you and I don't know much about other people's culture, but that's at least, that's a good place to start. That's a good place to start. And then you're going to start thinking about their history. Not all the same white people who walk into America... <laughs> When I was in, when I was in, uh, in high school, uh, there was a guy in my class. His last name was Kaufman. I thought he was just white. I didn't figure out until I was a senior that he was Jewish. I was like, oh, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. <laughs> you know people who are Jewish? They don't feel like they're white. And they generally think that all the other white people from Europe Murdered them and slaughtered them. So you meet a person who's Jewish, don't mean, oh, he's white. You know, he's systemic racism, you're a white guy. Come on. How can you love a Jewish person in their heart if you look at them through the race and immediately go, systemic racism, you're white? It is not an obedience of God's word. Brothers and sisters, you hear what I'm saying? Now let's close. Um, I want to close by offering you the gospel this way. I want to give you a, a passage which a lot of people don't think about, but it's an unbelievable passage. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 11 to 14, and I'm sorry I didn't get it projected for you, okay? So if you have your Bible app, Hebrews chapter 13, um, this is my bad. I had a different, I was thinking about ending the, this sermon with a different passage. And then I changed my mind late last night, okay? So I uh, didn't get it to our AV team. But here's what I want to close. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. And I just told you that it's completely normal in the world that God's people are the excluded ones. God is always telling you, well, you were, you were slaves, you were oppressed in Egypt. You should know what it's like. The excluded oppressed ones, how they feel their hearts. How they're always getting screwed over in the unjust ways. The unjust ways that even the laws don't even get applied to them properly. But here's this passage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. 
So just, just follow me. It's, it'll be a little strange at first, okay? Verse 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice are burned outside the camp. So here, I know this is really strange. You know, we're not ancient Israelites and we're not used to thinking about sacrificial rules. But this is just a normal, you know, this is, they sacrificed the, the animal that's sacrificed in the center of the temple, the holiest place. The other, other sacrifices that they, they, they do on other days, what they'll do is the, the meat gets to be enjoyed by the priesthood. And meat is, is valuable, okay? But they don't get the meat sacrificed in the very center of the holiest holy place inside the temple. So that's what he's talking about. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him, that's Jesus, outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Now let me explain this. So, they get the purest lamb. And on the most important day of the year, only the high priest goes into the central temple, this central center place, because that's where God is. And they killed this lamb and shed this lamb's blood to atone for all the sins of everybody. Because we're unholy, we're unjust, we're wicked. And you cannot enter into the presence of the most holy place. So nobody gets to go into that most holy place in the temple. Only the high priest. And even he only gets to go in once a year. So then what they do is they slaughter this animal. And then you know what they do with this animal? They take him outside the camp. They take him outside the city. So, you know, the camp, you know, this is like in ancient Israel, they didn't actually even have a city. They just had a camp. So Israelites are like roaming around. You know, they're like a wandering people. Then they set up, you know, they, they set up the tabernacle and then they do this, they do this piece to, to atone for the sins of the people and then the animal is burned outside of the camp. You know what that means? So here's what it means. The animal is burned outside the camp because while all the sins of God's people are prayed for and confessed on the animal, and then that animal sheds all its blood in our place. <laughs> so we deserve to be slaughtered because we're failures. Because every culture, you know, excludes. Every cu culture treats the, the, the minority in a horrible way. We do not love our neighbors as ourselves. We're an unjust and wicked people. Corporately and oft often individually. And then, so all those sins are now confessed on the lamb. And then the lamb is excluded from the city or excluded from the camp. Why? So that filth 
so that oppression, so that injustice would be removed from the midst of our peoplehood. That's what it's for. That's what it represents. All the sin, all the wickedness is on that lamb. That lamb is taken outside the camp, excluded from the camp, so that sin and injustice, unrighteousness and oppression would be removed from the people of our culture. That's what it means to be eliminated from the camp. And then it's burned up, so there'll be no more. And then you know what? What is this passage is saying? So Jesus, he came into the world and then he was crucified and taken outside of the camp. That's what it's saying. That's exactly what it is. He became the lamb. He was crucified and he shed his blood. All our injustice went upon him. And he was removed outside the city and he was excluded. I want you to think about the gospel this way. There's one who is utterly holy and righteous, and he does not do culture like the world does culture. He does not do Egyptian culture. He does not do American culture. He does his city's culture. His city is pure and righteous. It's just and loving. And nobody, because they're fatherless or weak or because they're the wrong skin color, quote-unquote wrong skin color, or the wrong ethnicity, gets the raw end of the deal. There's utterly glorious and pure justice and love reigning in his city. So he left his city into the unrighteous and unjust world of Egypt. And then for all those who are excluded and oppressed because we are oppressors, he himself came to be that lamb. And so that he would be excluded. He would be rejected. And all that he would be, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like this, he was completely, he's the king of his city. He came to be among and choose to be among the excluded and the oppressed of the unrighteous city of Egypt. So that in his rejection, he could say, when you get rejected, I will take upon all your injustice and I will then invite you into my city. This is the gospel. He became excluded so that his blood can wash us and so that he can embrace us and love us, include us in his most righteous and just city. So brothers and sisters, Always remember you have dual citizenship. Don't think that America, the Egypt of America, has the final word on you. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the Egypt of America. And know that our king, he came to be excluded outside of the city for our sake. It says here, Therefore, let us go to him outside of the camp. Share in his exclusion so that he would give us his total inclusion. And then when we live here in this city of the Egypt of our time, let's look at the minorities around us. 
And let us not do politics or some kind of cheap justice to them. Let's offer them real justice, the kind that Jesus gave to us. And let's offer them a better city. And let's offer them a better city and say, you know, there's a greater city to come. And we're going to treat you like citizens of that city, even though the Egypt of America isn't so great. Come and be inside of our king's city, and we will love you. We'll give you justice. Let's pray. Lord, as we go to your table, and we think on this glorious and incredible thing, that you became the lamb who was taken outside of the camp so that we who always feel like we're never quite included in the camp can be utterly embraced by you into your city. Give us eyes and ears and hearts to see the hearts of our minority neighbors and not just think about money or fairness or laws or even just our feelings and good intentions. First and foremost, may we see them in you, in you, through you. And when we see them, help us to see ourselves and help us remember the one who is of true justice has loved us, loved us in our hearts, was excluded so that he would include us. And help us to offer that the best we can and to walk in true justice in a very unjust city and time. In Jesus' name, amen.